Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network, by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, the ASU fans home away from home, Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Whole beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right, welcome in hockey fans, anywhere that you may be listening to us. This is Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by Maryville University and the Maryville Hockey Saints. Scott Strandy joining you, not from my familiar home in Scottsdale, Arizona, but from the 15th floor of Bally's Hotel in beautiful Las Vegas for night number three of uh, of my week in Vegas. So, uh, Stephen Marsh, my co-host in Vegas as well, how are you? I don't know if I have, Stephen. Doing good, doing good. It's uh, <laughs> Happy Veterans Day to you and to all of our veterans out there who, uh, who uh, serve. <laughs> I hear you. You're, you're kind of coming in and out on me, but uh, Happy Veterans Day as well. It's uh, it's very exciting yeah. to uh, to celebrate it right here in Vegas because they do so many neat things like they do around the country, but it's a little different for me to see it up here. So I've been enjoying my stay and trying to, to follow up with some corporate partners. And, of course, we were uh, over at uh, the uh, opening of Lifeguard Arena yesterday and had a chance to take that in. So that'll be a Sunday special coming up. But, ha, talky weather, Stephen. What do you think? Yes, yes, definitely hockey weather. It's been pretty pretty uh, cool here uh, relatively for us for this time of year. Uh, in fact, I looked at the weather a report yesterday and they said that places like New York and Maine and stuff actually were warmer than we were. So that was quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, not what you would expect uh, from the desert Southwest, but okay. It's a, uh, it's another club hockey Southwest weekly tonight. We were planning on having two guests. We're going to have one. He's going to come on a little bit earlier than he had planned. They'll have him on about uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, the, uh, his full-time job is a therapist at uh, the Meadows in Scottsdale, uh, but he's recently been named the mental health coach of the Junior Sun Devils of the uh, Desert Youth Hockey Association. And um, Jim Nellis is going to join us and talk to us a little bit about uh, his role, his new role. I believe it's the only one in the country, the only program in the country that has a mental health coach to uh, to help their youngsters uh, in their youth program get over um, what we're what we're dealing with it's covid right it's uh, it's not only the loss of lives and the people getting sick but it's just a disruption of everyday life and and he's going to explain how he uh, is able to reach those young kids and, and 
you know, keep them positive and moving forward. Absolutely. You know, men, mental health is, is so important in sports in general. And then you look at what we've dealt with, as you said, with COVID, and it's become even more important as a lot of people aren't able to play as often, aren't able to gather as, as often with, their, with friends or go out and do what they love to do. Or, you know, in this case, in some instances play sports, sports that, get dis- that were disrupted a lot last year and even some of the rest of this year. And so it's, it really can affect a lot of people, especially younger people and, and, and those in the youth, youth programs and stuff. And, and we've heard stories about that, unfortunately. And, you know, as kids are not in school physically, they're having to do a lot of distance learning and how hard it is not to have that, that interaction. So, so it's definitely an important issue, uh, always an important issue, but even more so during COVID times. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of COVID times, and we'll get into club hockey here a little bit in just a minute before Jim comes on, but um, when you think of COVID and you hear, you know, I happen to hear uh, Governor Sisolak here in uh, Nevada lay out a plan, uh, a pretty stern plan for the next 14 days to try to get things under control. And you just wonder when are we going to get that national mandate that, that gets the entire country on the same page because – you know what? Uh, I saw it today. I, I tried to be in uh, in my hotel room as much as possible, but I went out a couple of times to do a couple of things. And, you know, you look at people and they got their masks. If they have one, they have it down around their neck, uh, below their mouth and, and nose. And they're just doing things that you just you just shouldn't be doing this time. And the, and the numbers are uh, are reflecting that. So we hope everybody gets it together. Uh, in the meantime, there is no club hockey really to talk about in our area. There are games being played around the country, but um, a lot of teams are doing stuff off ice. I know the yard here in Vegas has been a great spot for, for workouts for UNLV players. I know the guys down at the University of Arizona are uh, you know, climbing mountains today, <laughs> doing their dry land things. And also at ASU, they're getting some ice in, uh, practice in, but it's coming – um, under the heading of a uh, uh, college elite league that's been put on by the uh, the Oceanside Ice Arena. So everybody's trying to stay active and stay involved and, and, and try to stay fresh. But let's be honest here. I mean, if we don't get this COVID stuff under control, I mean, it may affect that January 1 uh, startup date as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw with the uh, with the NBA with with the Lakers, they already announced that there's uh, until further notice when they start their season, which they're planning for December, they're not going to have uh, fans in the stands. We're seeing uh, the NHL is still mulling over what their plans are going to be, and that seems to be changing now. It seems like maybe they're going to do a more of a hub thing, and, and they're not sure there's going to be a fan. They're going to have fans when their season starts. They do want to try to get started by January, but what that'll look like. Uh, we still don't know. There's some things being thrown around. The ACHA season, they're targeting January start too. But um, you know, hopefully, if people can. And it's 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 really interesting because you know people people can control what they do, and and if people can all chip in and 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 do what we're supposed to do, we can have these things. I mean, people talk about we don't want to do this. We don't want to. You know, we we hate that we can't do this. We have to be this. You know, we have to wear a mask. We don't. You know can't be with friends or whatever and, and and that's i can understand people are getting tired of that but if we can do those things we can start getting back to more normal there's great news about a vaccine that could be available uh, first part of next year or at least in springtime and if, if it's as effective as they say it is it's it's certainly going to put us well on our way 
but this is going to be really the they said it in the beginning that when we got to the fall again it could it could get really out of control and and so this is the time where we all can start buckling down so by the time we get to january and we can have a better control of it so we can start operating these things as covid will still persist but we can manage it if there's situations where it arises right now it seems like it's it's a tough thing to to manage but if we can all do what we need to do wear the mask social distance wash the hands of simple things and and you know not have large gatherings i know it's tough with the holidays coming up but you know just sacrifices we can make now can put us on a better footing in a month from now or two months from now by the time we get to when we want to play play some games well, Stephen, and, and you and I were both a part, as I said, of the uh, opening of Lifeguard Arena in Henderson yesterday. And uh, I keep saying this about hockey people. I don't know if I'm just wearing rose-colored glasses when I look at, at all sports, but hockey just continues to seem to get it right. I mean, uh, yesterday there, there was quite a few people there, but everybody had a mask on. Everybody tried to stay six feet apart, as difficult as it was. We took a tour of the, of the facility and, and I just thought the Golden Knights and the Henderson Silver Knights did a great job of controlling the group, right? I mean, they spaced them out going into the uh, delivery. Uh, they, they did a bunch of different things as far as smaller groups for the tour and keeping people apart here and there. So it, it can they be had done. Some, they, had, they had some bottles of sanitizer, Lifeguard did, that you can grab at the desk there as you were going through the Yeah, ab- so, I mean, Absolutely. I mean, they did everything they could to keep it safe, and, and nobody was complaining. Nobody was whining about having to wear a mask. It was just – you just did it, right? And and we saw the youngsters out on the ice for the first time, and, and they were uh, social distance on the ice and, and masked up, and, and the people that were uh, helping them, the different uh, Silver Knight players and, right. and uh, you know, different people that were, were doing that were – we're doing it, so it can be done. It's just a matter of focusing in. And, you know, we're going to find out firsthand as far as hockey goes, I think, with the start of the NCAA season. And Arizona State making a trip to Michigan to play Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's going to be different. Uh, we already know that. But but how will they do it in the Big Ten? How will they maintain that safety feature? We also know that the NCHC is going to start in a pod, they're calling it, in um, Omaha, Nebraska. So basically the NCHC will have uh, all of their teams in different hotels or in hotels in Omaha, and they'll play for a total of three weeks from December 1 till the 20th, I believe, 20th or 21st of December. They'll play all their games right there. They're going to be 10 games for each team, and then they're going to come out and they're hoping in January that they're able to make some more localized travel and they'll open that you know, things will have gone the right direction for COVID then. So everybody's got ideas, everybody's trying it, but it starts with each individual, like you said so eloquently, that everybody needs to wear a mask, everybody needs to have the hand sanitizer, you need to social distance, you need to keep those groups uh, to a minimum. And when you're there, I mean, just be smart, right? Absolutely, good. Got to be smart. Um, we, we certainly can do that. And, and yeah, that's, that's the important thing is just be aware of where you are. You know that being in a tight space with a bunch of people is not ideal. Uh, as you mentioned, the governor here said two weeks, uh, kind of a stay-at-home 2.0 unless you absolutely have to go out, try to avoid going out. He didn't discourage tourists from coming here, but he encouraged them if they do come to 
uh, wear the mask and do those things because, um, you know, they're, they bear responsibility too when they come visit our city. And of course, our city, Las Vegas, relies on lies on a lot of relies on tourism, and so we want to we want to keep it open. We don't want to go back to where we were in March, where things were shut down and nothing was going on, and so many people were out of work. And and but the governor here was looking at the numbers and seriously think, you know, if, if we don't change a lot of the behavior now, some strict measures might be back in place. And but then the other side of it, people will defy that and we'll we'll try to so it's it's really a tough balance but um there isn't science to back up what they are asking for and for two week period if we can do you know avoid trying to go out as much as possible then maybe we can get a handle handle on this and then we won't have to resort to going backwards like we like we were back in in march and april because uh, we we don't need to go back to that point we just need to continue that. <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not uh <laughs> Let's take a quick break, Steve, and let's come back and, and let's bring on our guest tonight and, and get into a, a more serious topic, but one that uh, we'll have uh, we'll have a little conversation about in about three minutes. I have a car whose lease is up soon, and I'll be looking around for the best deal that I can get. I have certain parameters that I'm looking for in the next vehicle. For example, I want a car that qualifies for New York State HOV sticker, but being on Long Island won't stop me from taking advice from hockey great Shane Doan, and I'll be checking out Bell Ford and BellFord.com. Bell Ford, the presenting partner of our new season of the Sunday special at IcetimeHockeySW.com, was voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona. So go, shop where Shane Doan shops, talk to Kevin Wood, let him know that IcetimeHockeySW.com sent you, and let him give you the all-star treatment online or at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. We find your prime with mDrive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. All right, we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you live, uh, not from normally Scottsdale, Arizona, where I reside, but 
from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, the 15th floor of Bally's Hotel. I've got a great view of the uh, the Ferris wheel behind me. And uh, my co-host, as always, Stephen Marsh, joining me from his home in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's our pleasure tonight to uh, to bring on our special guest, a therapist from the Meadows in Scottsdale and a hockey crazy fanatic who coaches, works harder than anybody I know in the business. Jim Nellis is with us. Jim, Scott, and Stephen with you tonight. How are you? I'm great, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing wonderful. It's a, it's a rough time, Jim, and I'm, I'm glad you're coming on because I think the topic we're going to talk about with you tonight is, uh, is one that's extremely important. Um, it, it's, I mean, I don't even know how to describe this because 2020 has been such an unbelievable year for everything, but um, you're experienced in hockey. You know everything. You coach. You do other things, but tell me about this topic we're going to talk about tonight, uh, being a mental health coach for youth hockey players. Yeah. Um, let me, if I can, Scott, and let me back up a little bit just to something you just touched on because it, it really starts from uh, when COVID hit, if you will, when the pandemic hit. Um, and, you know, I was going about life as normal. I mean, I'm a therapist during the day. I'm a hockey coach working with the ASU ACHAD1. And I just remember distinctly how surreal the moment was when everything just shut down. I think it was the NBA season that started, like games are closed. Everybody was like, what is going on in the world? And we had qualified for nationals, as you know, and and that was all done. And it was just this giant cloud of shock for everybody. And I think disbelief almost. And, you know, I've really just witnessed a lot um, both with athletes and otherwise a lot of pain uh, that people have been dealing with and going through in the last eight months Um, and the struggle dealing with change Um, you know so specifically as it deals with youth athletes more to your question um, you know there's there's sort of this general malaise, this sort of confusion, this low-grade frustration, this, you know, my normal routine, you know, I start to, and, and I mean, if, if anybody that's been around sports, whether great hockey or otherwise, you start to get feelings when seasons are about to begin, you get excited, you get, it's like, uh, you know, it's like the Pavlovian, you know, box there, the dog right. starts to salivate, right? And so there's a lot, and, and parents and kids are just struggling with this and you know everybody has their own opinion and every state does things differently and you know i was obviously listening to the show here waiting to come on and i i heard you say uh you know hockey seems to get this right and you know i i concur hockey does a lot of things right with this and i've experienced a lot of that and at the same time it's still a real struggle for our kids so Jim, you know, and and I want to jump back a little bit too. Uh, you know, when when COVID hit and everything came to a halt, I spoke to a lot of coaches and players, and I think you're right. I think initially it was disbelief, like this can't really be happening. And then after about, to me anyway, about four weeks, it seemed like the players started to say, okay, uh, realization is set in. We're not going to nationals. We're not playing for a national title. Um, but you know what? It's not the end of the world. We're gonna we're gonna move on, and and they realize that. Then I think stage three set in, yeah. and this is what I'm uh, 
what I witnessed, I guess, from, from the people that we had on, but maybe, you know, four months into the pandemic, they started to get a little itch and it was like, Hey, you know, it's, this has been a long time. We need to uh, get back to practicing. We need to get to work on our skills. How can we do it? Can we rollerblade? Can we, you know, safely go into gyms? How, how can we do it? And then, then I think the fourth and final stage that I think we're in right now is like, okay, this is reality, at least for the time being. And let's figure out a way to do this as safely as possible. And people have been helping each other out and coaches have, have worked with their teams and things like that. So it, first of all, is, is my assessment of that what, what you would think too? And, and if it is, how, how are things moving forward right now? And especially your role with the junior Sun Devils. So I feel the same way that you do. Um, I think that's a pretty accurate view. Um, you know, and again, there's, everybody's a little bit different and there have been, I, I, I mean, I think I've seen kids even walk away from the game a little bit for the year because they're just disappointed, not sure what to do. And um, that's something for me that's personally painful. Um, you know, I know what it's like to be, uh, a young kid and have hockey be such a big part of my life and to even think of having to give it up um, and it, it, for the likes of something this remote of a chance of happening is just painful um, but yeah the, the junior Sun Devils thing I mean Scott you know I've, I've gotten to know you well over the last five years and you know my my sort of role through hockey in Arizona if you would I've been quite fortuitous in many instances, and this one's no different. Um, you know, I, I, with the ACHA group, you know, we share the rink with, you know, obviously the NCAA guys, but DY as well, Junior Sun Devils. And I'm an outgoing guy. And I just started to talk to Brad McCaughey, uh, who was the hockey director over there, and, and just learning about their program. And I don't know how well you know Brad, but he is incredibly passionate about building and oh, program, yeah. most you know, definitely he is and you know I, I just I'm a curious guy so I started asking questions about you know what are the areas that are working well for you you know what are the pillars of sort of support that you will that you would like to bolster if you were to envision this wonderful wonderful program and mental health was one that he was really on about and you know, so it was nice for me to be able to share my experience and what I'm doing in that realm and, you know, the, the sports psychology endeavors that I have, et cetera. And he was really excited about that. And not just for the, the kids, um, but for the coaches to have good, uh, sound resources for the incredible group of coaches that he has and the parents who, you know, there's a, a lot of programs that I've seen um, across the country and in Canada where, you know, inclusion, parental inclusion is often shunned. And Brad's taking a different approach to that, you know, and uh, he wants to help educate parents, especially, you know, we have a lot of parents in the Southwest that, you know, their child's induction into hockey might be the very first time they've been a hockey parent. And, you know, he's, he's really passionate about, about helping bringing them in and educating them about what it's like. Um, and really cradle the grave from, you know, our squirt program right through to 18U, and he wants them to go all the way through and be supported. And I am a big proponent of that as well. And then, 
You know, uh, I don't know if you know um, Nick Domenko, who's the assistant hockey director there. In the oh, yeah, absolutely. I know Nick from, from yeah. way back when he was an 18-year-old. <laughs> so, you know, talk about another guy who's just passion. You know, passion, he's, he, I mean, he has lived this game, him and his family, since he was trying to play professionally. And he's had a significant amount of experience working with uh, mental performance coaches and sports psych guys um, when he was growing up and, and elsewise. So he was really intricate as well and sort of helped develop this program. And, you know, they said, hey, show us what you think would be a good idea for this. And you know, I prepared, I showed you the document that we sent out our first, first initial release for our, our parents and kids and coaches. And, you know, now we're uh, with, with COVID, it was like, we need this now. And so we made the decision to launch. And so far it's been incredible. The parent support, um, the, the student athletes that are wanting to discuss issues that they're having, the coaches being really open to another point of view um, and support. It's been phenomenal. And you know, nobody else in the country at the youth level is doing this. We're the only ones. And we're really proud of that. Well, I'll tell you, we're thrilled to have you on. Stephen, do you have something uh, for Jim? Yes. Um, I want to start off, I guess, by asking this. Uh, you know, we, we just touched on, on COVID. And I guess, you know, COVID has obviously been a challenge for everybody. There's no question. And certainly sports and, and for kids it's, and youth, it's been a challenge as well. Um, I guess for you, uh, is COVID, I mean, having to do with this pandemic and this COVID, one of the toughest things you've had to endure in, in, in all of years that you've had to do. And what's been the, what have you been able to learn from from having to deal with, with, with the pandemic and, and how you cater that to, you know, dealing with mental health with, with kids and, and having to help them get through such a difficult time. And for yourself personally, having to, to deal with, with, the, with the pandemic and, and, how, and how that affects everything. Yeah, so just let me make sure I understand the question. So I think what I heard you say is, you know, one of me personally, what's been the most difficult thing I've had to endure, go through with some of the growth, as well as, you know, what are some of the most difficult things I've seen with, kids is that correct yeah like uh you know obviously with dealing with mental health did you deal with a lot of a lot of things but but where does COVID rank in the level of difficulty that you've had to endure with and you know right and then how you've had to and then what have you learned from from having to go through this COVID period and dealing with with kids and with everything that you do got it uh great question um here's the really interesting thing so many of the sporting families, when you think about it, um, most parents, hockey or otherwise, are passionate supporters of their families and leaders. Most of our athletes are healthy, uh, healthy physically and mentally for the most part, um, and are used to being really successful drivers. This is new territory for all of them. This is like being hit in the face with a cannonball and you're not totally not expecting it. And one of the big issues that, you know, fear, this, this incredible um, emotion of fear that's coming up and not knowing how to cope with it, um, as well as loss of identity. I mean, a lot of us, when we're so focused on playing elite hockey, like, at, you know, DY Junior Sun Devils, we're tier one program. These people are driving to excel and grow, and they're expecting to continue to move up and be the best. And when this has been, the rug's been pulled out under their feet, they just don't know how to handle it. 
it's like, what do, what do we do? So that has been, um, that's been challenging. However, you know, with a lot of the experience that I have dealing with people that struggle with sort of, let's call it first time ailments, you know, have a lot of strategies and things that we do to help support that, uh, that people respond to, but that's a big one. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's gifts from everything too. Uh, and I think, you know, this will pass, whether it completely goes away, whether it's vaccinated, whether we just learn to play with it, this will pass. And, you know, how you handle yourself and, you know, how we choose to face this right now um, will be, will say a lot about our happiness, if you will, when we come out of it. You know, I think, um, you know, that's, again, one of the things that I'm really excited about or happy about is that, you know, we're doing that with our kids and our coaches and our, our parents, and I think we'll be well set up for the future. Jim, let me ask you this uh, about the fear thing that you brought up. Um, is there different kinds of fear? Because when I think about what you just said, and I think you're 100% accurate, but there's a fear of, a, the COVID and not wanting to get sick with it. There's the fear of losing what you've been doing all the time. And then there's yeah, this fear yeah. of the unknown, right? It's like, yeah. what's going to happen next? Because nobody really knows. Is that a fair assessment as well? Yeah, another great question. I mean, yeah, I probably should have clarified that a little bit. It's a really good assessment. Um, so... First of all, let's go with the big one, which is the big one I've experienced, let's say, which is fear of the unknown. Many of these student athletes and parents, for that matter, are really used to feeling like they are in control. You know, I can control going to practice. I control going to the gym. I can control what I put into my body. You know, I can control communicating with a coach. I can drive my kid to, to hockey and expect things will get better. So you know, the, 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 the lack of control and just that, that anxiety that goes with it is huge. Um, I haven't experienced a lot of fear of getting, um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I could like pontificate about clinical. It, it, it could also be that I'm, that I'm 58, Jim, and, and that, that's a fear for me a lot more than oh, it no. is. And, and in a higher risk category, but I just wanted to bounce yeah. that off you with, uh, with, with youngsters. They, they don't really have that fear, right? And statistically, uh, young people are more likely to not really have serious complications, but we're seeing it, but not as much as right as somebody in your your levels, there, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know the I don't know the reason, but I, here's what like from a mental health perspective. I mean, Scotty, you you alluded to the stages, if you will. There's still some pretty healthy denial going on. Like, I mean, it's it's mentally a, a, a student athlete a, their dream of playing in the National Hockey League, if you will that fantasy outweighs any reality that they want to look at in regards to COVID. And that's a common thing. And, and by the way, that's a normal human response. There's nothing unusual about it. There's nothing negative about it. There's nothing bad about it. It's just a reality. So you have to work and kind of deal with that. But yeah, um, it's just tough. I mean, this is just really, really tough uh, for everybody. And um, yeah, it's given me a whole bunch of opportunity to, to, work and help, I guess, which is what I like to do. Let me, let me ask you this, if I can follow that up with, um, we, we're kind of discussing what, what everything is like, but uh, give us, if you can, any kind of example of how you would go ahead. Uh, let, let's say you got a 
a 14 year old kid that comes to you one day and says, uh, coach, I, I think I, I think I just have to quit playing because this is too much on me and, and I can't focus. And, uh, what, what would be the first step, uh, that you would take towards somebody that was in that situation? Yeah. So, um, typically when you hear a response like that, it's a, it's a lot of emotion. Okay. So it's just, it's like verbally just coming out and there's, it's like a teapot that's boiling. So you really affirm that emotion. You allow that, you sit, you create a safe space for it. So, you know, Hey, let's pretend it's you, Scott, your 14 year old Scott. Hey Scott, you know, I understand. I affirm that. Tell me more about how you're feeling. You know, so you really have to allow that to come on, allow that person to be heard. What the mistake is often, the mistake that's often made is people will say, oh, don't worry about it. Like you're going to get through this. Don't quit. Don't quit. You'll be fine. And that's coming from a good place. People are really trying to actually help. But what they're doing is they're shutting that individual down and not allowing him to be heard, him or her, depending on um, if it's boys or girls hockey. And so people don't recognize it, but right there, usually what happens is the individual that's coming to you being vulnerable, they shut down and they look at you with their eyes and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They're not listening. They've just, this person's not hearing me. Boom. So you have to create that safe space. Then you can get into sort of questioning the reality of it. So, you know, what do you think your risk really is? And you know, where does this really stand? And you get them kind of once they settle down thinking. And you have to be accepting of what it is because this is not about manipulating or, or, or making them do one thing or another. It's helping them come to the best decision for them. Okay, so does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, I want to give you the flip side of that now. I just gave you an example of a 14-year-old that came to you and told you how he was feeling, but I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of them that are feeling that that don't tell you. How, how would you go about figuring out uh, that there might that might be the root cause of somebody's issue? Maybe maybe you've noticed them on the ice. It's been the fastest guy on the ice, yeah. the first guy in the drills, the smile, the happy, and all of a sudden he's shutting yeah. down and you know there's something there. How do you get to that yeah. person? Yeah, so that's a bit more of an art form, um, you know, so a lot of that's experience and gut feel. However, the prudent steps would be to monitor, to allow, I mean, I allow, I have a, a, a chain where parents can sort of reach out if they're noticing something that's going on and they can report something. Talking to coaches, hey, have you noticed, I, I noticed that so-and-so's been a little off lately. And then, you know, my job as a mental performance coach, I mean, rapport is huge. I mean, my job is to build rapport, gain trust so that, you know, these kids feel comfortable to say something. You can't force it out. Um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, vulnerability is strength and courage, you know. And usually when one or two people have the strength and courage to talk about something, it's like it spreads. That, 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 that freedom to talk will spread. The opposite is true as well. If everybody's shut down, nobody's allowed to talk, that spreads too. Um, let me just share a quick funny story with you because I think you'll find it interesting. <laughs> when Brad and Nick introduced me to you know all the teams and everything, um, one of the first teams I met was the 10U team. So 10-year-old kids are you know, a little younger. <laughs> There's not a lot of work to be right? done with a 10U kid. It's mostly parent and coach work and things like that. But these little guys were they're so cute and you know they said well this guy's a sports mental performance coach what do you think that means and they're, oh it works with your head and a little while later this young little guy i 
feel this tug on my jacket behind me. I turn around and he's <laughs> up my hips with skates on. And I'm not tall. <laughs> he says, so are you like a tutor that helps us with stuff? And I said, yeah, I absolutely am. And I can help you with whatever you need. You could see his eyes. He's working. Something's going on in his head. He's thinking. And he says, can you help me with my math test tomorrow? It's on long division. <laughs> <laughs> it was I love it. it was awesome. And, you know, like I just smiled because I'm like, this is the culture we want to build. This is the these are the fun stories that get us through COVID, right? That are that, like I've told that story to a lot of parents and stuff. Just help create space and, you know. Right. It's like, but it's a great story. I mean, it's awesome. Absolutely. Stephen, you got another one for Jim? Yes. I, I guess my next question would be, uh, we, we talk about how you just deal with the kids directly, but how much does your, how much does it change when, when dealing with, the adults, the parents of the, these kids, and, and what, what what do you have to coach them or how do you have to uh, approach them of how they might have to deal with, with their kid or with somebody that that is dealing with these sort of uh, mental challenges? And, and, and what's the, what, how, what difference is it dealing with the parents in addition to dealing with the kids directly and how do you go about that? Um, good question. So parents – are wonderful. They're great resources for information because they're around these kids all the time. You know, so the challenge is to be able to, again, I mean, they're trusting you with working with their son or daughter. And I mean, that is a huge thing for trust. So the challenge is being able to, you know, listen, hear them, create that, uh, that real truth that you understand what's going on and then be able to, you know, help show them that, you know, there's certain things that as a parent, depending on the relationship with your son or daughter, it can be difficult to sort of get through and talk about. And, you know, because you are telling them to uh, clean up the room and you're feeding them and you're doing all the things that you do to need to sort of to grow this you know, young adult. Um, so it's hard to wear all these hats. And so, I really try to just focus on that and explain that to remove any kind of threat. Like, Hey, I'm a support person. This is what our job is. And I haven't really, I mean, I've been doing this for a little while and you know, it's all about trust and comfort. And you know, that seems to be the biggest thing. Um, parents are, many parents are like cautious and they should be and they're thought provoking and they ask good questions. Um, but for the most part, they're thirsty for the support. Their lives are very busy. Some are single parents, um, some are not. And life is full of more pressures now than I think it's ever been. And, you know, I, they're sort of like, and I can breathe a little easier because there's somebody that is actually helping me out here. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Sure. Uh, and I want to follow up with that. I guess another aspect of, because I think about, uh, I think about in baseball, when you got these parents that go to their kids' little league games and they're yelling at the umpire because they're trying to stick up for their kid and they're yelling at the umpire and they're yelling at the, you know, they, and they're almost embarrassed the kid, be, but they're, they're in, a, in a way they have a good sense about it. And, and you might see it at, at hockey that the youth level too, where you got the, the parents are sitting in the stands and, and sometimes the, the worst, the most destructive, not the destructive, the most obnoxious ones are the parents of some of the kids. 
Do you ever have instances of that where you have to go to some of these parents and say, you know, it's probably in the best interest for the kid that you don't do those things and there's other more subdued ways if you can support your kid and, and, and if you have problems with how you think you're going, there's ways to go because I've noticed that sometimes when you go to these youth sports where the parents are real passionate about their kids, as they, as understandably, but maybe some of their, their behaviors and approaches to it are, are not in the best intentions. you have to have any incidents of that and how you have to – how you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is an education thing. So, you know, the, the, my role in the vision at Junior Sun Devils is not just a patchwork for COVID. This is something that we were implement, implementing COVID or not. And so we have a, a longer term vision and that is a lot of education, a lot of discussion and a lot of modeling, the modeling of behavior. Now I would never tell a parent, um, you know, how I think they should behave, so to speak. It's not really my place. Um, and uh, it, it's more of a you know, discussion of how we want to be represented as, as an organization. And people, people have pride in things that they're a part of and what they pay for. So um, you know, really hitting that message home, uh, hopefully you know, helps our behavior be as uh, positive and as in, in an influence as possible you're always going to have people that you can't control somebody's behavior at the end of the day people are going to do what they want to do you're always going to have somebody that just for whatever reason um, wants to do things their way and that's fine can't change everyone we just do the best we can by educating um, you know by listening to kids Uh, you know our coaches do a good job of setting parent expectations and I mean, if somebody's really crossing the line to the extent that it's um, extremely detrimental, then you know there are our hockey directors and the people that whose job it is to deal with that will deal with it. So then, how do you how do you deal with it with the kids then? Because in some cases, maybe if the if the kid is feeling embarrassed by the way their parent is behaving, but of course they don't want to tell their you know they're afraid of t- telling their parent that they're embarrassing them. How do you? Is there a way you can you or as people can? can tell these, these, these youth how to deal with situations because it, it might be yeah. so embarrassed or upset about what their parents are doing. They may not want to play anymore. They just, they just, it's, just, it's a balancing act between that. Is it, and can it affect someone's mental status in these youths when they're playing yes. a sport like hockey or other things like that? So um, a lot of kids will feel shame around that, embarrassment and shame, okay? And there's a, the difference between guilt and shame is guilt is based around behavior. Shame is I feel, I feel worthless, right? And so if you keep shame sort of in a Petri dish and you just sort of cover it with silence and secrecy and, and judgment, it grows exponentially. To the extent that you, you know, have shame in that same Petri dish and you um, shine a light on it, you have empathy with it and support, it has no chance of surviving. So the, the long and short of that, what I mean by that is let's say you've got somebody in, I don't know, a 15, 16 team, whatever it is, and they're struggling with this. You know, uh, It's our job to support them and say, hey, look, um, I know this is tough on you. I just want to know that we support you. We see it. And you know, whatever we can do to help you, we will. And who knows? Maybe we don't know what goes on at home either. So you have to be a little bit careful. That's why, you know, directing and saying things to parents um, can be dangerous, frankly. And so really it is, 
control what you can control, do the best you can, allow that kid to, you know, allow him or her, allow them to see that you see it, that you care, that you're there for them, that it's difficult and you understand, that removes a lot of that. It really, really does. They, they, they feel heard, they feel supported, they don't feel alone. Um, and it's a pretty good deal. So, so Jim, let me ask you this, because uh, in my experiences in sports, uh, there is no other sport like hockey. And it's not that, that I'm just a, a big hockey fan. I used to play professional golf. Um, I, I played football. I played basketball. I wrestled. I did all those things. But I don't know if I've ever seen a sport where it is so family-oriented. Not only that, but as the players get older, and, and I talk, as you know, to a lot of college and professional players, mm -hmm. and – and they're always so open and they'll almost tell me too much and I'll have to, mm -hmm. to hold it back. But uh, that being said, when you talk about um, th this type of situation, is it more difficult or easier, would you say, for hockey players and parents to deal with something like this than it would be, say, something like a football team where you're maybe not quite that close? Mm, so uh, I, I concur and I mean, I, played hockey at high levels. I've been involved in this family you speak of and you know, hockey brought me so much and still continues to do so. Um, you know, I too played a lot of competitive golf, baseball, a whole bunch of different sports. Um, football to me seems like one giant family and I, I don't know enough about it, but I get a real feel. It feels like some similarities um, there for sure. I know that um, a lot of the coaches are seen as father figures um, in that in that sport, maybe more so than hockey, um, like true father figures. So I don't know. I'd be curious to learn more about football because I have a passion for it. Um, but I mean, I can. I, it, it's interesting. Like golf is such an individual sport, right? Everybody <laughs> right. is just it's like you've got a wall around your camp. You've got your swing coach your metal coach or this guy or whatever your family and it's like your posse you travel together and nobody gets in nobody gets to know the trade secrets um you know uh i have a lot of friends that played and played high levels in professional baseball too and there's you know uh it, it, that's a different one because it's kind of that hybrid of sport and individual and you can really get the individual guys who are incredibly self-centered um and, and you know, not because they're bad people or anything, but it's just the the mindset of that game. You have to be sometimes really selfish to be a good hitter, or you know what I mean. Yeah, so, let me let me take on to that one just a second, uh, and and I don't want to break your train of thought there, but uh, you know, we talked about we talked about the NHL when they went into the bubble situation, and uh, on all of our podcasts, I think uh, since March we've been talking about that at some at some point or another, but. Uh, a lot of the younger players seem to be very cohesive and very accepting of the bubble because they came out of junior hockey or youth hockey where they, you know, they were used to that, right? You traveled, you went to tournaments every weekend, you flew or you drove or you bust or you did something. Um, and they seem to adapt better to me than, than the adults did. So, so that's what I say with, with hockey, that type of sport, it, being that they're so cohesive and so used to traveling in small groups, uh, if you will, uh, is that, um, in your estimation, easier to deal with a mental health issue like this or harder? Or, or doesn't it really matter? 
so just to clarify, when you talk about the young hockey players, the early in their career versus guys that are tail end of their career, is that what you're? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, say a twenty to twenty five year old versus a guy that's yeah. thirty okay. with three kids at home. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, obviously very different stages of life. But if you think about just um, you know, and and you and I are not in our twenties, clearly, right? Um, <laughs> Careful now. <laughs> so, yeah, so you've you've been around hockey and whatnot. I mean, um, some of it just comes from you know not being able to teach an old dog new tricks. At times, we're comfortable living this way as a, as a you know as an older hockey player. They've you know there's a lot of I've been in the league for a long time. I do things a certain way. I prep a certain way, and that's kind of it. Now, younger people are a little more pliable at times. They're used to maybe being, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, kind of told where they need to be, when they need to be, and they sort of kind of nod their head. Yep, okay, so um, it's a little easier maybe to adjust to some of that change um, for sure. So I think there's just kind of some of that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's just that's my gut. I mean, I don't have any data to back that up, but it just seems reasonable. I hear you. Stephen, you got one more final one for Jim, and then I'll uh, wrap it up with him. Yes. Uh, I guess, you know, t- we, talking about hockey again, which is what, what we love to do here, um, as compared to other sports, you know, dealing with with how to navigate through these COVID times. Um, and we, I think we've touched a little bit about this, but maybe just kind of as, a, as we kind of wrap things up on, on mine at least. Um, why, why do you feel like hockey does it better than other sports in regards to, you know, why, and way they operate and way they, and way they make it? And this is at whatever level, NHL level, uh, lower level, um, dealing with youth, youth hockey. Um, what is it about – why does it seem like, as we talked about at the beginning, why does it seem like hockey gets it right and doesn't seem to be able to navigate through this better than – maybe a, a football or, or baseball or these other sports that, that you see. That's interesting. You know, like as you're saying that I'm sitting here going almost changing my mind a little bit, like I'm just, I'm a hockey guy. So I'm a little bit biased. So part of me is just feels that way, but you know, I, I truly do see the communication, the care, um, the respect for fans. Like, you know, they're definitely doing a lot of great things, but you know, I tell you, the when at the professional level, it's pretty hard to deny what the NBA did with their with their bubble and their games and everything. And I'm not really a huge basketball fan. I mean, I like basketball, but you know, I only have so much time to watch sports, and it's kind of hockey, golf, baseball, football, that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, they, I might want to rethink that. I mean, maybe it's not quite fair to say that hockey does it better. I just think they do a good job, and I'm proud to be a part of it. Okay, final one for you, and we'll let you go. Uh, thanks again for coming on and doing such a great job explaining everything. But uh, this one might be the toughest question of all. Um, somebody listening to the podcast or downloads it tomorrow or in the future and listens to it and says, hey, you know, that really that really hit me, but my team doesn't have a Jim Nellis. What, what kind of options are out there? What would you tell somebody that maybe doesn't have that person firsthand? How should they go about dealing with their fears and their worries and their stress that COVID-19 has brought on? Yeah. So I would say um, probably, I'm going to speak to families. 
you know, don't be afraid to deal with things that you're not so sure that you know how to deal with. We are stronger, smarter than we think. And to trust your body, if your gut's telling you that there's something right or wrong, it's usually right. So don't be afraid to explore it. Don't be afraid to, you know, uh, express feelings and ask hard questions. Because what I know is that silence builds anxiety and it makes things worse. And just having a discussion and starting to get a plan in place, small market goals or whatever it is, really helps people feel better. So just starting a discussion and not being worried about really where it goes, just kind of allowing it to happen naturally is going to make a big difference. Man, that's well put. Um, people that know me will know that I talk way too much. And, and if I get into a situation uh, where it's stressful and nerve-wracking, I tend to talk a lot more than than I would be a, a more of an introvert. But um, Jim, it, your day job, tell people a little bit about how they can reach you at the Meadows if they need to uh, or if there's anything that, that's on their mind. And, and, of course, throw in a plug for your hockey uh, coaching as well. Yeah, so I am a primary therapist at the Meadows Outpatient Center in North Scottsdale. I guess I should have phone numbers and things like that in front of me, but I don't. Um, you can Google it and find us there. We have intake. Office. Everybody Googles everything right now, even if I give them a phone number, Jim. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a whole bunch of therapists at the Meadows that are all wonderful, and we deal with all sorts of things mental health related. And for me, I'm really excited to just stay with junior sun doubles and i'm you know really excited to grow my uh, my sports psychology practice and um yeah i'm on linkedin anybody wants to get a hold of me james uh, i i found you there tonight because i think you found me <laughs> yeah i did yeah actually my wife found you she said credit where credit is due <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jim Nellis, thanks so much for joining us. I, I know it wasn't a whole bunch of direct hockey talk, and I know you and I for sure, and I'm sure we can involve Stephen too, but we could talk hockey for, for hours because uh, usually when you and I get together, that's the way it turns out. But thank you so much for coming on board and, and talking about this very, very important issue. Uh, we, we all know that we would like to see COVID go away, but we're also realistic and know that we're probably going to have it around for quite some time. So uh, let's hope that we can all make the best of it. And, and, and thanks so much for what you do for everything in the hockey community, especially in Arizona. It's, uh, uh, you know, I have known you now for five years, and I've seen you at all different levels and all different places. And, and everything that I see when I see Jim Nellis is a smile and a confident person. So thank you again for joining us tonight. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Have a great night. All right, and by the way, there'll be and, and, and by the way, there'll be plenty of time to talk hockey. Hopefully, January when we get the season going, so uh, we'll we'll have we'll have to bring them back and talk more hockey. And yeah, I'd love that. I'd, anytime, I'd love to come back and talk hockey with you guys. You bet. Yeah. All right, that's Jim Nellis, the uh, the mental health coach for the uh, Junior Sun Devils in Arizona, as well as a. Uh, licensed therapist uh, up at the Meadows in North Scottsdale. So if you have any questions, folks, don't be afraid to reach out and, uh, and ask them because the worst thing that you can do is hold it inside. There's just no reason to do that. Uh, everybody's in the same boat, and we found that with hockey players uh, at all different levels that um, they all realize that they're losing something. That, that's a fact. But it's just a matter of how you deal with the loss, I think is the best way that I can put it. I, you're right on, Scott. I, you're right on. I, I, this was a great interview. I'm glad we were able to, to connect with him and, and have him on it. So 
uh, poignant for what we're dealing with right now as we're, we've, we lost sports for a while and we got it back and now we're kind of seeing things go up again and we're trying to navigate, you know, being able to safely return to sports, having to deal with the, you know, I like what he said about routine. It is a routine because I, I, right now it should be hockey. The NHL season should be just starting up. And so it threw me away that there's not hockey going on. It, it kind of threw me for look like, okay, now I got to, how do I fill some of this time until, until whenever the NHL starts or when we've done, done the ACHA season. Usually we're well underway with that. And you get on this routines of this month to this month, you have this. And then the summers is you got this. And that's all been, of course, out the window. And it'll take some while before we can, get caught up to all that so having to navigate through that is is certainly important too so i like what he said about that at the beginning so yeah and you know just from a personal side on my end of it is uh i think i have anxiety over things too i mean doing this type of business to try to make a living and then you don't know it's it's that unknown we don't know when the nhl is coming back we don't know what it's going to be like when they come back i mean i've been dealing with this since march is like how do i plan for for covering games and giving interviews because you don't know where that, uh, you know, where those people are going to be or when they're going to be playing games. And, and even right now, I mean, Arizona state's going to board a plane here tomorrow or Friday and they're going to fly to Michigan and nobody really knows yet if that game will actually be played or if they're going to get there and a COVID outbreak is going to happen and they're going to be told to quarantine in a hotel. I mean, nobody really knows. And I think that fear of the unknown is, is really something that you have to deal with. Absolutely, but the fact that they're giving it a they're giving it a try and they're willing to 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 give it a shot is is uh, important. Instead of just say, well, we don't, it may not work out. We don't know if it's going to work out, so let's just delay, delay, delay. I think that was some of the mindset early on was with football, but now they're seeing it it can work, and and there is still some unknown about you know we're we're seeing a lot more games getting postponed and canceled and everything, but but it's still just a, just a continuous uh, process, but. Yeah, it's it's so there's so much unknown because you're right. You your season could start, and then you have you have an outbreak, and then you you, you can't play for a bit, or it just may get sh- shut down. But you're optimistic, well, and you have to go with the mindset that it will work. Let me give you an example. This from the NCAA level. Uh, Arizona State named Josh Maniscalco a captain in April, May, something like that. Um, he was uh, undrafted and was able to go with with anybody he wanted to, but he decided he was going to come back to play at Arizona State. Well, then as the season went on and we got in towards the playoffs for the NHL, uh, right after that, Josh uh, sat down with Coach Powers and he determined that he was going to turn pro and go into the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins organization. And, of course, Coach Powers would never hold anybody back, but he had discussions with them. And and then uh, the season was over for the, the NHL, and all of a sudden the NHL saying, like, yeah, well, we don't know if we're going to play in January or February or what. And, and a guy like Josh Maniscalco is having second thoughts now because he's going like, okay, I just gave up my collegiate career to sign a professional contract, and and now I might not be able – I might have been able to play a whole, a whole NCAA season or most of it before the NHL season and the AHL season start up again. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about is it kind of plays with yeah. you mentally, you know, from that level. And like I said, from from our standpoint, from the business standpoint, uh, we wonder about, you know, how are we going to get clients and our clients in a position to be able to afford to, to be a corporate partner and stuff like that. It's it's all things that are kind of the unknown, which we didn't really deal with last year. We could say, you know, or years past, we could say the game schedule is here and 
and barring a major tragedy, the games are going to go on, right? <laughs> well, now it's like I go out and see clients and, and I can't really give them a yes or no as to when everything's going to take place. And I think we saw that again, tying it back to Henderson. Uh, we saw it at Henderson yesterday with the, yeah. the players were there. They looked like they were, you know, a few of them were there and they looked mm-hmm. like they were ready to get into game mode. And, and yet there was nothing that was going to happen for a couple more months. Yeah, I mean, the target date for the, the AHL is, is February, but we were asking, you know, you were asking, you know, one of the media person that helps with the media stuff for the for the organization. They said, you know, what, so what's the plan when the season starts? And then he said, he, I remember him saying, he's like, but well, we need <laughs> we need to get to that. We need to get to that point first. We need to get yeah. to the February. We need more delays. So, and that's the truth. I mean, we need to get to that point. I mean, I mean, you plan for it, but you, you got to. You got to get to it because we get to January and things might not be better, and then you got to think. You know, you got to think about other things, right? So it's it's such a, and you're already trying to think like, okay, well, what you guys plan? It was a joke and say, well, we need to get to that date first. I thought that was that's just so yeah. true about everything that we're dealing with right now. We just need to get to a certain point and then see. I mean, you have to plan it, but you just you, you also got to have a lot of backups too, just in different scenarios, which is what the NHL is looking at right now, and and certainly what the but the AHL, sort of the ACHA, is still trying to finalize what they're going to do. So, um, in regards to how the season will play out. So, yep, absolutely. Well, it was a great conversation. I'll let you take away the read, and then uh, we'll say goodnight with the little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and De Niro. I want to mention a couple of things before I do that. Uh, I mean, I, as far as I know, this is still going on, even with with the governor said this yesterday. UNLV has been doing a little three on three thing that they're kind of doing to help with some of the sponsors, try to get some money. Um, that's as far as I know, still going to happen this Friday at City National, but uh, we'll have to wait and see if maybe they have to postpone that. Um, and then I want to mention this uh, for the ASU women's team I, I, in their newsletter that, that I've signed up for. Uh, they're having a fundraiser uh, next Wednesday at the Chipotle at uh, 1038 South Mill in Tempe, where people can go and, and from a certain time frame, I think, it, or going to be that day, if they use the code JMFRYCE. When they order at that Chipotle location, some of the proceeds uh, from that day will go to help the ASU women's hockey team. So that's a couple of things there. People can help out, um, help out, and people can go to the three on three that live in Vegas if, if they can go. If it's still going to happen, we don't know yet. Um, and they, they, they are accepting donations; it's free, but they are accepting donations to help the program there. And then people can help women's ASU team by going to that Chipotle in uh, South Mill, ten thirty eight South Mill in Tempe. And, uh, and, 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 and let's also let's also throw out that you can buy stuff online from uh, mm. UNLV and, and ASU right. and U of A. So help out Absolutely wherever you can, and, and let's get back to hockey. That's how people can help right now. We can't go to the games. We don't have games right now, but people can can still help out these these teams. They still they still need the money. They still want to, even though money might be tight for a lot of people. If people can, I mean, people still eat out on occasion, so that's an opportunity for people to have a meal out there in the Tempe area. Same with, with UNLV. People want a little outing, although, again, we have to wait and see with, 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 with the latest orders with the governor. But uh, there's still ways to, to kind of help as we continue to get ready for, for when hockey games are played. Okay. All right. Well said, my friend. Take it away. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by Maryville University Hockey, brought to you by Verizon, the 5G and 5G Ultra Band for business that America has been waiting for. Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, the presenting partner of the Sunday special. Tell our friend Kevin Wood, Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you. 
and let him show you the Belfort difference online at belfort.com or check out the showroom at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra smooth, Arizona owned. Go to mexicanmoonshine.com and try our original cocktail recipes. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where despite how long it may take you to eat your meal, there's so many delicious choices, it always seems like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than to actually eat it. By summer skates, fall, winter, doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes by going to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the summer skates banner. Cold beers and cheeseburgers, beers, burgers, sports, 12 Valley locations and two in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information and for takeout specials. By OxyPal, visit our full line of natural cleaning products at oxypal.com. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive in the morning, relax at night, our two-step system for energy, stamina, recovery. By College Bar and Grill in Tempe, by ASU fans, for ASU fans. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Also available for download at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Just ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcast. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the Maryville Saints hockey team, is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. And we should mention also on the website right now, there's a new uh, What Drives You. Isn't that right, Scott? Absolutely. It is a really good one that I had with Justin uh, Rogers, who uh, just lost his dad, who was a icon in the uh, Phoenix and uh, actually Arizona area, um, the owner of uh, Arcadia, AZ Ice Arcadia, AZ Ice Gilbert, AZ Ice Peoria. So go there and, uh, and get a good look at the, the latest what drives you. The next Sunday special, of course, will be from right here in Las Vegas. So lots of good stuff going on. Stephen, thanks for your help as always. Uh, think, big thank you to Jim Nellis from the uh, Junior Sun Devils, ASU ACHA D1 Hockey, and, of course, his full-time day job, as he likes to say, the licensed therapist at the Meadows in North Scottsdale. We appreciate Jim coming on and, and talking about a very difficult but uh, very important topic. And we'll say good night with uh, little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. De Niro, have a good night, everybody. Stay safe and wear a mask, everybody.